everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Friday! I don't It really is. It's Friday. What's up? My name's Mark K. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, and uh, man, what a Friday it is. We have, there's so much going on today. There's so many. First of all, we got a uh, we got a guy running for governor that we all knew was going to run for governor, but now it's official. We'll talk a little bit about that. Plus, man, our current governor going to war with our current president. There's something we never thought we'd see. Of course, we never thought we'd see Steve Bannon and Donald Trump going at it. Uh, more on that book, by the way, Fury and Fire, or Fire and Fury, or Sound and Fury, or Fire the Steve Bannon, something like. That. You know what? I tried to get a copy on Amazon. It's not even available till next week. So, so which is weird because you would think Amazon, a company owned by Jeff Bezos, who also owns the Washington Post, wouldn't just hold back a week, but would be giving out copies of this book for free. That, in my personal opinion, I feel like uh, I feel like if Jeff Bezos really wants to go after Donald Trump, just give every Amazon Prime member a free copy of this Wolf book. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little shocked that the uh, I'm a little shocked that the PR and um, you know PR department over there at Amazon uh, didn't come up with it. Maybe you know, maybe they will. Maybe they're listening and they'll. There's like, oh, genius idea. But before we get into any politics, before we get into any of that, there's something else going on that I just have to bring up, and this involves the Sunday playoff game at Everbank Field, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Buffalo Bills, who a lot of people blame for the cold weather. I knew it. I just knew it. All them Yankees coming down here done brought all this with them. Somebody get a hold of Trump. We need to get a hold of this global warming. We got to nip it in the bud right now. Yeah, maybe. You know what? Here's the thing. For the Bills, it's going to be like, what, like 48, 50 degrees or something? For the Bills, that's like a that's like a September game. <laughs> the Bills, fan, Bills fans are like, what cold weather? We didn't bring no cold weather. We played in three feet of snow a couple weeks ago. Who are you kidding? But uh, but listen to this. If you're headed out to the game, if you're a if you're a season ticket holder or if you're a bandwagon fan and you're like, oh, if you're one of the... Because, look, I go to the games. There's like maybe... 30, 40,000 people there. So if you're one of the 26,000 who, you know, just decided, oh, now I want to go. Like, if you're one of those people that just goes to the Jags games when they're in the playoffs, you know, like how you just go to church on Easter and Christmas, that's fine. But uh, but listen to this. JSO put on their Instagram page that uh, if you're heading to the Jaguars game on Sunday, you will need to be parked and at the gate by 11 a.m., if you want to be inside for kickoff. Now, let's break this down for just a minute because kickoff is at 1 p.m. 1 p.m. JSO claims you need to be at the gate by 11 a.m. if you w- want to make it inside to see the kickoff. That is two hours. Okay. <laughs> they're saying, they're saying you need to be at the gate a full two hours before kickoff or you might not make it in. My seats are literally, I don't know what, like 100 feet from the gate? Maybe maybe 200? Yeah, you got to go up an escalator or whatever. But my seats are like 200 feet tops from the gate. So what JSO is telling me is it's going to take me two hours to travel 200 feet from outside Everbank Field through the gate and to my seats, which, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I feel seems a little excessive. I feel that's a little excessive. I mean... 
hopefully that's not the case at all. I'm, I hope to God that's not the case. I usually leave my house at 11, and I'm in my seat well before kickoff. But they're saying with all the extra traffic, with all the extra people, with all the extra personnel, with all the extra Bills fans, with everybody who's coming down at a sold-out stadium, they took the tarps off the seats. They're standing room only. That they, I mean, this is this is going to be the biggest event probably of the year in the city of Jacksonville. So you need you need two hours to go from outside the gate to your seats just inside the gate. And uh, and I don't know about you, Ben. It, it makes me miss the times when nobody wanted to go to the games. You know, I, I miss the days when I could just pull up. Get out of my car and walk right in, you know, no waiting, no lines, you know, like, uh, like, like last week, <laughs> like, like three weeks ago, last game I went to when I literally just left my house at 11 and I was in my seat for kickoff and, you know, whatever. But there's, uh, there's a couple people, there's a couple people who left, left us an open mic messages saying they have an idea as to why JSO and everyone else is pushing for people to get to the games early. The whole world is going to be watching Jacksonville, Florida. They want you in the seat. They want the TV coverage looking at the at the gnarliest Jaguar crowd ever in history about to whoop ass on their bills. <laughs> That's a great point. That is a great point. You know, when, 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 because this is the only game on at this time. This is the playoffs. So you have at one o'clock, there's only one game that everyone's going to be watching. Only one game. And it's our game. It's the Jaguars at home, Everbank Field, the first time in, in, in over a decade that, that all eyes will be looking at Jacksonville in this way. And so, yeah, you, you don't want to see a bunch of teal seats. You want to see a bunch of people sitting there eagerly anticipating kickoff, ready arr, to see who's going to go on to the, uh, to the semifinal round. Who's going to be the victor? Who's going to, who's going to go to Pittsburgh to take on, uh, those ridiculously, um, overrated Pittsburgh Steelers? Who is going to be the team that's victorious? So, right. You would, you would maybe tell people to get there early so that they're all in their seats. That makes perfect sense to me. That could be one of the reasons that JSO is saying it's going to take you two hours to travel uh, 200 feet. Because somehow or other, the Jaguars are the hottest ticket in pro sports. I mean, they have become the biggest. They've, you, Despite your personal feelings about player protests from earlier in the season, and I know a lot of people listening are still like, forget them. Uh, but this is big news, and it's a big, stinking hairy deal for the city. And now, I just hope we win. And like most people who will tell you. Well, you know, whether you're talking, uh, you know, whether you're talking to, to Brent Martinow or Dan Hicken or Sean Connery, it, this all depends on one thing. This all depends on which Blake Bortles shows up for the game. Cause there, cause there's two of them. We want it. Which Blake Bortles will show up? Will it be the long bomb throwing laser like precision touchdown scoring Blake Bortles that got us all the way here where we are now? Or will it be, you know, the other Blake Bortles who throws all the interceptions and stuff? The one who's been playing the last couple weeks. Uh, whichever one does show up, though, JSO would like to remind that Blake Bortles to show up at least two hours before kickoff, so so he'll be sure, so he'll be sure to get uh, get into his seat. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, totally forgot. I also, well, you should also speaking of Instagram, I saw this photo the other day too. If you haven't yet seen this, seen this, know that when you get to the game, there will be all kinds of teal colored delicacies, if you will. For sale at the stadium. I'm talking about teal colored food. Now I know what you're thinking offhand. I can't really think of any teal colored food. Don't worry. They made some. Uh, burgers, for example. The burgers at Everbank Field will feature teal colored buns, as will the hot dogs. Okay. There will be, of course, teal colored beer to drink as well. And when you put all that together, there's going to be a ton of teal colored vomit in the men's room come fourth quarter. I'm not a big, 
I'm not a big fan of the colored food. You know, I know that's like a big that's like a big thing. I don't know. I don't know that I would eat a teal burger or drink a teal beer. I'm very much a purist. You know, I'm like I'm a constitutional conservative. You know, I like my burgers to be burger colored. I like my beer to be beer colored. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure someone's going to say I'm just scream you're a racist or whatever, which is not true because I enjoy both light and dark colored beers. But uh, but, you know, whatever. That's what's uh, that's what's going on this week. Uh, I would like to remind you, if you are headed to the game or if you're headed around the game or whatever, keep in mind that uh, right here on News 104.5 WOKV, we will be bringing you up to the minute traffic all before the game and after the game so you can see which bridges. OK, first of all, traffic's going to suck everywhere from about from I-95 right around, let's say, gosh, I would say even, you know, JTB. Heading downtown, every Atlantic Boulevard, all the bridges are going to be jam packed. But we will, uh, we will definitely keep you updated to let you know which bridge will be the least jam packed, which parking lot entrance will be the least, uh, you know, congested, and that sort of thing. So definitely, uh, you can keep your radio on News 104.5 WOKV. Also, immediately following the game, win or lose, we will simulcast the uh, Jags post game show. From Action News Jack. So you can listen to all the, uh, hopefully it's going to be one of those, oh my God, we won. Let's break it down and see how we got. But if it's not, it's the other way too. It doesn't matter either way, win or lose. We will, uh, we will have traffic information for your ride home and also the whole thing with, uh, with, uh, you know, the post game show on Action News. It's going to be an exciting day, man. It's going to be an exciting weekend, really. It's going to be an exciting weekend, uh, for Jags fans. Tonight, the mayor is holding this Bill's Bustin' Bash, which is, which is, uh, very, it's cute alliteration. And that's going to be a daily's place. It's free, free for everyone. There's going to be like a big festival to really, and if you think about it, this is to celebrate the Jaguars. But at the same time, it, it, it appears to me just from the title, Bill's Bustin' Bash and the mayor getting everyone down there at Daly's place to talk about the game and get them the enthusiasm. Really what he's trying to do is just get everybody really angry uh, and in a position where we just hate the Bills for no other reason. Like, I can't remember the last time we even played the Bills, but now the mayor's job is to get everyone in town to just despise them. You know, like like they're the worst team ever, and we have to go in there and, and, uh, and lay in, you know, like, like they've personally insulted us, which I'll be honest with you, I think the Bills are one of the, the few teams that haven't personally insulted us uh, this whole season. So, uh, you know, coverage of that later, too. All right. Now, uh, it's, uh, despite the Jaguars, there is other news going on. And a lot of it locally. In fact, one of our local politicians, uh, Ron DeSantis, has made national and international news this morning by formally declaring that he will be running for governor. Of the state of Florida. And this is something, yeah, we've been speculating on for weeks. We've heard a lot about it. Uh, you know, people talked about how, you know, he wanted the support of Donald Trump and this and that. And who is going to be our next governor? And is Ron DeSantis going to throw his name into the ring? And locally here in Florida, we know a lot about the guy. I mean, he's, he's from, uh, you know, St. John's County. Uh, you know, we, he's been representing us for what is it? Four, five years, I think. He's, uh, you know, done some incredible work already with Ted Cruz and some members of the Freedom Caucus. And he, you hear him here all the time on News 104.5 WOKV. You may know his wife, too, from television as well. She could be the next first lady of the state of Florida, which is kind of exciting. But the the one thing that uh, the timing of this is very interesting because Ron DeSantis threw his name into the ring to be the next governor at a time when our current governor at, the, at a time when our current governor kind of started going going blow for blow with the president on an issue. One of the few issues that they actually seem to disagree about and that is offshore drilling 
Uh, the president announced the other day that he was uh, loosening all the uh, all the requirements on offshore drilling, really basically opening up the majority of the American coastline, including Florida, from Jacksonville all the way down to the Keys, all the way up to Pensacola, all the way through the Gulf, opening it up in 2022 when these current restrictions uh, are, you know expire to offshore drilling. And Governor Scott, who from the get-go has been one of Donald Trump's number one supporters, one of his number one al- allies. One of his, a lot of people say delivered him the state. And this guy, I mean, they're BFFs. For the first time ever, we see them openly, openly battling over an issue. And uh, and we're going to take a break, and I'll tell you exactly who's on either side. And Rich Jones, who spoke with uh, Ron DeSantis earlier this morning, asked about that. We'll play you what he said. Here, this guy's walking a tightrope, man. I'll tell you all about that in a minute. This is the Mark K Show on News 104.5 WOKV. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Mark K Show. My name's Mark K. It's Friday! And we got a lot to talk about. First of all, uh, Donald Trump, the administration of the president, proposing to open up 90% of the outer continental shelf of the uh, off the U.S. coast to oil and gas exploration in the largest single expansion of offshore drilling activity ever proposed offshore drilling is one of those it's one of those interesting uh items to debate it's one of you know everybody's for it as long as it's not anywhere near where they live that's what you know that's what most people claim and a lot of folks are saying that about uh, governor scott today because he tweeted out how he's looking to protect florida and he's not a fan of this proposal and he's gonna go and meet with uh with the uh, secretary zinke and gonna you know make sure that the florida is excluded from this proposition now california probably gonna do the same thing in fact if you look at the 90 percent of coastline that donald trump would like to open up to offshore drilling I'm guessing, oh, I don't know, 89% of it is going to have a problem. Because, again, it's something everybody wants energy independence. Everybody wants fueled, uh, you know, American-made fuel. We want to get away from Saudi Arabia and, and, uh, and the Middle East. We want to make sure that we are, we are looking at the economic stability and, the, and, the, uh, and the, uh, also the uh, energy stability that we can, we can actually you know, build for ourselves by drilling in places where we haven't yet drilled. Uh, interestingly enough, this announcement comes the same time that Ron DeSantis is a, has announced he's going to run for governor. So this morning on Jacksonville's Morning News, Rich Jones asked him about that. Here's what he said. Well, I agree with Governor Scott. Uh, we need to protect Florida. Florida's different than a lot of these other states because our coastline is such an important part of our quality of life, our economy, our tourism, our property values. And so as we do energy expansion and more exploration um, across the United States, including in the Permian Basin and all these other places, you know, I think that that's all good. But I agree with the governor. I think we need to have Florida protected from that. Um, it's just a different issue for us than it may be for a state like Louisiana or Texas or some of the other ones. So this is just a draft proposal. This is not the final proposal. Um, and I'm actually optimistic that we'll be able to have the protections for Florida that, that most of our congressional delegation and our governor is, are asking for. Anytime you bring up an environmental issue like uh, offshore drilling, especially one that has such a negative you know, kind of take. I mean, the whole uh, Deepwater Horizon, that whole movie with Marky Mark, everything. You know, everyone saw it. So you, you and we all remember the Gulf oil spill, which which didn't happen in Florida, but affected some of the Florida beaches. Not not because they were they were covered in oil per se, the way uh, Louisiana and Alabama suffered the effects, but just because people were wary of coming to the Gulf and a lot of hotels and things like that who were lost revenue. And and we understand that as a as a state where tourism, I mean, rule like tourism number one. That's the thing. 
You know, as much as we may hate people from other places, we get, we we rely on their money. So when you look at it, you want to keep the beaches as pristine and clean as possible. But you're also talking about a state that has what, like 75 percent of our border is is beach. Is there no there's no opportunity anywhere for offshore drilling that that is safe and could bring in jobs and money and also uh, not affect the environment uh, negatively? I mean, environmentalists, they they will go to town on this issue everywhere they're going to you know they're going to look at it as uh a, 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 what i mean more of what i mean they look at it the same way not so much as an economic issue or something that is that is uh you know good for the the benefit of not just each individual state but the entire country when you look at revenue and job creation and energy supply they're going to look at it more on an emotional scale which is don't ruin our beaches which let's be honest how many beaches have actually been ruined permanently by any kind of oil exploration uh, on the outer shores. Again, as a state with like more oceanfront property than any other state, it's a big deal for us. And for Ron DeSantis, it's a huge bomb that the president dropped as he heads into uh, his gubernatorial election. So we're gonna you know we're gonna see what happens. This is just preliminary. I want to know though. Quick question. Quick poll. Three four zero one zero four five. What do you think about offshore drilling on Florida? Should we open it up? Should there be more opportunity for us to have oil rigs out there looking for fuel so we can be energy independent, or should we leave Florida alone? Three four zero one zero four five. Want to hear from you? Your opinions coming up next. This is the Mark K Show on News one zero four five WOKV. By the way, brief side note on that Alex Trebek story. Uh, first he fell, and then later he got blood clots on his brain. So he fell and then had brain surgery, which I guess you could call double jeopardy. No, may- maybe you know, maybe not. Uh, you know what? Never mind. Let's get back to offshore drilling, shall we? I don't mind offshore drilling as long as the makes the gas prices go down and also the American debt to actually go down. It has to go to the American people, not anywhere else. You know, yeah, thank you very much. We pre- and the American people appreciate that. And that's uh, pretty much, you know, when you when you look at all of these plans that Donald Trump lays out and the fact that he announces these, uh, you know, whenever the president says, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up everything. You'll notice it always starts with everything, everything, the biggest, the best, huge, all those things. And the reason is, unless you start with everything, you won't get anything. You know, this is one of the biggest, and again, this is one of the biggest problems that people don't realize about negotiation. You have to ask for everything. And then you, then you work toward an agreement where you're like, okay, we're not going to get everything, but we're going to get this. So he says, let's open up 90% of the U.S. coastline to drilling offshore. And of course, a lot of the states, Florida, number one in that list with a lot of coastline are starting to speak up and say, no, not us. Governor Scott, same thing. Governor Scott, you know, said, I'm going to go talk to, uh, to the interior secretary. I'm going to go talk to Secretary Zinke. I'm going to make sure that he knows where we stand on this issue. We stand that Florida should have no offshore drilling. We're all for energy independence, but we also have our beaches to look after. And we have a, a huge, uh, you know, uh, naval presence. Uh, some folks are saying that if you look at the you know, eastern Gulf area of Florida where and, you know, the uh, the bases and the keys and even here at, at NAS Jacks, that kind of thing, you know, it could uh, it could adversely affect our military. I'm not really sure how, but a lot of people are arguing that as well. Um, the economy, sure, it may grow in in oil production. There may be new jobs, but you may lose money from people that are touristing or touristing. Is that a word? Uh, touring coming down here as tourists to Florida. They may not want to sit on the beach and stare at an oil tanker, although I'm pretty sure that they build the oil tankers far enough out. Like if you're sitting on the beach and laying there enjoying the and you can see the oil tanker, I think that or the oil rig, whatever it is, I feel like you have really good vision. But, you know, that's it. That, I don't know. I'm not I'm no expert. Three, four, oh, ninety five, ninety five. This is Bill. Speaking of NAS Jacks calling from there. Hey, Bill, how's it going? 
Ah, it's going wonderful, man. I am all for drilling offshore here in Florida. Uh, one of the big reasons that I am for it is after Katrina, with all the devastation that happened there, did you hear a single story about all the oil washing up on the shores? You didn't, because everything worked as advertised. All the safeties worked. Oh, you're talking about people that say... That income here. Yeah, I see I see what you're saying. With all the hurricanes and things that come through Florida, is having an oil rig offshore, is that something that's going to be safe? Is, you know, next time Irma rolls through or, or Matthew rolls through, we could be looking at some kind of leak. That's what you're, that's what you're saying? No, sir. There were no leaks. No, I know, but you're saying that would be the argument that someone cat five. Right. No, I got it. I get no. I'm. And there were no leaks. Right. But you're saying the argument would be someone would say that. I understand what you're saying. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean- Katrina showed that it does work. And that's something, you know what, as as much as I've read about this, and Jamie Dupree sent me his take uh, in an email early today, uh, as much as I've read about this, people mostly talk about the tourism industry, the environmental impact, and the military. You're the first person actually who's mentioned uh, hurricanes as a problem, but, you know, I agree with you too. I, I don't think the last oil rig incident we had was the Deepwater Horizon, which was horrible, but that wasn't related to weather at all. Uh, you know, that was a methane buildup. But, well, I mean, you can go back and you can blame all sorts of things for that. But, uh, all right, Bill, I appreciate your call, man. And uh, then we go now to George in Jacksonville. By the way, 340-1045 if you're trying to get through. What's up, George? Yeah, I, uh, I have no problem with the drilling. I, I believe uh, today with all the technology that we're able to, should be able to contain everything. You know, it's interesting, but back at the Valdez, uh you know, they had it, uh, the big argument was that they didn't have uh, triple liner tankers that right. they were trying to save money. And my thing is, you know what, you put enough uh, of a fine out there, you know, if you want to do this drill, that's fine. But you put the fine high enough, trust me, they will make sure that damn thing doesn't leak. Well, and you know, and you bring up a good point because uh, with the Exxon Valdez, that was when they started, and everyone's seen the commercial where the girl's trying to to create a better oil tanker, and she has the coffee which leaks, so she puts another cup on top of it and goes, "Wait a minute, we should build an oil tanker that that does the exact same thing." The, I mean, the the reason that America is so great and that our economy is so robust and that we lead the world in pretty much everything is that when a problem happens or when we have an incident or an emergency situation like the Valdez, we don't just sit around and go, "Well." Let's never do that again. Forget oil, forget oil tankers. We're just going to get rid of all of them. We say, okay, this is an issue. How can we make it better? And, you know, how many, how many tankers are coming across the ocean every day? Yeah. It, I mean, you know, if you, it's like a plane crash. I mean, you know, it, it, it happens like every whatever blue moon. But I mean, how many oil tankers are coming every day to this country? No, you're correct. There is there is as much a problem as uh, as one of these tankers running aground and leaking oil all over someplace, uh, a beach or whatnot, as there is, uh, you know, any kind of rig disaster. Hey, thanks so much for calling. We appreciate it. And the other good thing is that money we keep here by drilling, money we make from our own oil, money that goes into the coffers of the United States can then go back to environmental protections or new technologies or, you know, anything at all we need to do to make everything better and safer. But I'm with you. I don't, I'm not one of these people that says, hey, it didn't work in the past or we had one incident, so we should never, ever try it again. I mean, if that were the case, you know, your kids would never be potty trained. They're like, hey, let's let's try potty training uh, the kids. Oh, they had an accident. Well, we'll just let them wear diapers or us. No, that doesn't. I don't know how it is. 340-1045. This is Angie. Hey, Angie from Middlebury. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great, Angie. Thanks for calling the Mark K Show. What do you want to say? 
Well, um, I lived in Texas for a while, and, um, you know, you can't see the oil rigs from the beach. But one of the things that I was amazed at when I went there was the tar that was on the beach. I mean, it got on everything. And, um, you know, while I'm not against, you know, drilling, um, you know, with us, with our beaches being a tourist attraction, I don't know if people are going to want to have tar all over their feet. What do you mean there was, there was tar on the beaches? Yeah, there was like tar balls. And I mean, literally, it got on everything. I mean, you could not sit on the, the sand at all because you were going to get tar stuck on you. And it wasn't, it, it, you know, it was like small little balls, but it was, it was all over the beaches. I was really amazed. Hmm. So you're, so you don't think it's a good idea because it would adversely affect the beaches with tar balls? Well, I think, I think it's going to affect, you know, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for energy independence and I'm all for drilling and everything, but it is a consideration. I mean, are, you know, Florida being a tourist state, um, you know, and, and people come wanting to come to our beaches, I think that is something to consider. Um, you know, it, it, it's not, it, I don't think environmentally it had a huge impact because I certainly saw a number of sea turtles and stuff like that around sure. and dolphins offshore, but it did, you know, when you were sitting on the beach it was kind of disgusting uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look don't bring it okay i appreciate it that's a great take and uh, thanks for calling and please don't bring up sea turtles because sea turtle people they're crazy and the moment you bring sea turtles into it you got that's a whole other at the whole people are people in their sea turtles man michael from keystone how are you good how are you great michael thanks for calling the mark k show what do you want to say about offshore drilling uh mark i'm against it yeah and and i'm a i'm a floridian native and if if, if you look at all the way in the west side of Florida, um, in the Pensacola region, the water is still emerald green. But once you cross over into Mobile and Biloxi in that area, it just looks like muck. And I don't know if it has to do with the drilling or the Mississippi River, but uh, it's a big difference between the way our water looks and the way it looks out there where they are drilling. All right. So you're not, now. So are you against offshore drilling everywhere, or just then in Florida? No, totally not. Uh, my son works out in Louisiana um, uh, for a contractor that works with, uh, well, Exxon Mobil, mm -hmm. and uh, they have tons of oil down there. Right. But the, the only time that they ever pump, though, is when gas prices go over $3 a gallon. And, and, and unless it's, uh, you know, as long as we stay in the two two fifty range, uh, they're going to keep bringing it in from Saudi. It's just not cost-effective to, to pump our own oil. All right. Hey, thanks so much for calling. We really appreciate it. And, you know, and that's one of the other issues that people say is, is uh, you could, you could let's say you lighten the burden. And you allow these leases to be opened up. And then people go in and they start building tankers and rigs and whatnot. And they have to man them. And there's going to be some setup costs. And it's not going to be an initial savings. You're not going to see all of a sudden billions of dollars in oil coming into the United States just because in 2022 uh, we allow these leases to be uh, to be handed. You're talking about, you know, decades down the road. But then again, I mean, you have to think about that as well. Decades from now. What is the option to continue to be energy dependent on foreign countries, which are not stable at all, where there could be a coup or some kind of terrorist uh, regime taking over where we constantly have to? I mean, yes, it's not cost effective right now to keep uh, to, to drill our own oil. 
uh, when we could keep bringing in from Saudi Arabia. But what happens the next time there's a regime there that's anti-U.S. friendly and we have to go to, I mean, there's an expense, whether it's protecting oil in Saudi Arabia, whether it's protecting oil reserves and oil uh, interests of the United States abroad, or whether it's just drilling our, our own oil here. If you want something, there is a cost attached to it. And, you know, and I just think down the road, it's always safer and better for the United States to be in control of not just our economy, uh, but also our energy. I mean, especially at the rate that we're growing. I mean, that's the other thing, too. We're growing so fast, whether it's because of immigration or just population explosion or what what have you. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to get back to the border wall because we I mean, we could talk about that every day if you wanted to. But you've got so many people coming into this country. They all demand energy. And we, you know, we need some kind of option. And just because it's a long-term plan, I don't think it's a bad plan. Plus, when you look at the when you look at the the mines at work in this country, when you look at all of the the technological advances, if if there's a problem, who's best to solve it? You know, you call Elon Musk. Call Elon Musk and say, hey, uh, we're going to privatize. Uh, you know, we we need your help. We need to come up with a great way to drill for oil. Uh, you know what? He's all into electric energy, so he may he may not be the he may not be the best person to best person to call. 340-1045 is the number. 340-1045. You can also send us an open mic if you've got the uh, cool News 1045 WOKV mobile app. We'll get to more of your phone calls here in just a second. This is the Mark K Show. We'll be right back. This is the Mark K Show. By the way, <laughs> by the way, uh, that new book about Donald Trump, Fire and Fury, uh, Business Insider just published a report says the author of the explosive new book about Donald Trump's presidency acknowledged in the book that he wasn't certain all of its content was true. Michael Wolf included a note at the start that cast significant doubt on the reliability of the specifics contained in the rest of its pages. Several of his sources, he says, were definitely lying to him. While some offered accounts that flatly contradicted those of others. But he says he left them in, allowing the reader to judge whether the source's claims are true. That's like saying that's like saying SpongeBob SquarePants is a work of nonfiction. It's like a report on what's going on in the uh, under the sea. Um, but, you know, then saying, look, we leave it to the, the viewer to judge whether or not SpongeBob really lives in a pineapple under the sea or if that's just a fallacy. Uh, anyway, speaking of under the sea, we got a lot of people wanting to talk about this uh, new proposal by President Trump to open up 90 percent, including most of Florida, of the uh, of the outside uh, of the um, coastline to offshore drilling as an effort to, uh, you know, increase our energy independence and boost the economy. I want to go to Tim in Atlantic Beach. Tim, you worked in the offshore industry for a long time, huh? Oh, about 20 years, my friend. Uh, okay. First of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for calling, and I appreciate you offering your expertise. Why is this a good or a bad idea, in your opinion? Oh, it is a great idea, not just uh, for the price of oil, but uh, just the jobs it's going to create in Florida alone. I mean, think about the logistics that you're going to need to support all these oil rigs. I yeah. mean, everything from heliports to uh, piping to parts, supplies, foods, catering crews, you name it. I mean, uh when the uh, oil industry, when uh, the price of oil dropped, it hurt a lot of people in the New Orleans, uh, Mississippi area because they started cutting back on the number of rigs and such. And I think this would be a great thing for Florida and jobs alone. Now, uh, what did you work on a rig or were you part of that uh, support staff? No, I worked on a rig. Uh, okay. I was uh, chief engineer. I, as a matter of fact, that was uh, on the rig that plugged the uh, Deepwater Horizon incident. All right, well, let's talk about that quickly. How damaging is it uh, to the environment? Like, for example, our, everyone's worried about our beaches. Uh, what would be the impact if you had safe offshore drilling on the, off the coast of Florida? 
Well, first of all, ever since that happened, you have no idea what the, when the federal government stepped in and the Coast Guard, the uh, restrictions they have right now, yeah. just on uh, not just drilling, but your day-to-day evolutions. You have a 15-minute job. It takes you two hours just to do the paperwork, just to be on the safe side to do it. It's it's incredibly safe now. All right. All right. Great. Hey, thanks so much for calling me. We really appreciate that. Stephanie, how are you? Thanks for calling the Mark K Show. Stephanie, you there? Oh, hi. Can you hear me? I am. Yes, I do. Yes, I can. Oh, great, Stephanie. Uh, what do you want to say? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the international waters border is 12 miles because at a south bar you can see um, out at sea. I have been to places where you could see the lights out there. You may not see the drill, but you might see the light. And it takes away the beauty, um, peacefulness of the beach for tourists and other people. Uh, if I had a choice between going to one where I could see lights and one where I couldn't, I would go to the one where I couldn't, and I think that's going to affect tourism to a degree. Economically, I do see it making an impact on jobs, and Donald Trump being a businessman is focusing on that. I mean, follow the money. We don't need those out there, maybe as a last resort, but we have enough oil inland that we can do the fracking. We can do everything. I mean, we got Anwar now. We don't need that oil right now. And uh, with unemployment being so low, I really think that there are a lot of people looking for jobs that can find them. But my concern is that we don't need the oil, and it's more about the money, and I wouldn't want to see the lights out there at night. I love the peaceful beauty of knowing there's nobody out there. All right. Hey, thanks so much for calling. We really appreciate it. So you can't see the rigs, but you can see the lights uh, at night, and that seems to be a point of contention for her. This is Brian in Jacksonville. Brian, real quick, uh, what do you want to say? Hey, Mark. Uh, real quick, I'm sorry. Love the show. Oh, thanks. And, um, <laughs> I was just wondering, I think that like Venezuela and like China and some other places or some other countries are already drilling off our coast. Well, there are, I mean, there are rigs and things already out there. It's just now opening up the leases that were closed by the Obama administration, making it. Uh, the, what, what we're talking about doing now is, is uh, increasing the amount of land. And if you look at it, it's the majority of the Florida coastline. There's some areas where, you know, by the, uh, by the straits, uh, you know, down by Miami uh, or near the Bahamas, where it just doesn't look like it's feasible uh, for all the, uh, for all the areas. But it, up and up and down the Gulf, which is oil rich and on the, uh, on the eastern coast from Jacksonville all the way down to the Keys, there is ample opportunity for drilling to open up and hey thanks for your call by the way and thanks for listening we appreciate it and that is of course going to be a huge issue not just for current governor rick scott who has been a trump supporter trump confidant trump bff since donald trump uh, you know threw his hat his uh, red hat in the ring to be president but also now for ron desantis uh, our own uh, local congressman, you know, member of the Freedom Caucus, who, let's be honest, the Freedom Caucus, uh, you know, they're not number one in Trump's book anyway. But, you know, Donald Trump pledging support and, and tweeting about Ron DeSantis as Florida's governor just about a month ago. Uh, it's good. It's going to put them uh, going head to head, too. If this is a if this is a plan and if this uh, offshore drilling is something that the that the current administration is going to pursue, the new governor we're going is going to have to deal with it. And for Ron DeSantis, he's going to have to walk a very, very tight rope, a very slippery slope. Maybe you don't say slippery slope when you're talking about oil. I may not be the best choice of uh, best choice of words, but he's got to make sure that not just the people that know about him up here in Jacksonville and Orlando and around the I four corridor, but everybody you know south of that, Miami and West Palm Beach and all these places, you know Broward County, all these places that have really never heard of Ron DeSantis. He's got to make sure that he's playing uh, to them as well, and probably offshore drilling is not something that's going to get him a lot of votes. So we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be treacherous waters for him to navigate. 
There's another there's another ocean metaphor for you. Listen, all right, uh, I got to get out of here. I got to go and uh, get in line for the Jaguars game, apparently, because JSO says if I'm not in line by 9 o'clock tonight, I may not be there for kickoff. Uh, love them or hate them, go Jaguars, and we will uh, we will be back Monday. This is the Mark K Show on News 104.5 WOKV.